If I was to ask you a question this morning about what you thought was poor or bad workplace etiquette, I wonder what sort of answers you would think upon. Maybe you would think about someone that you know in your workplace or in a, a place that you have worked in days gone past and you would think, well, that person there, they just sat on their phone all the time. They never did their work. Uh, maybe that person in the office, they're constantly scrolling through different websites looking for holiday destinations. They're never doing their work. Then the, the boss walks down the, the corridor and they hear the, the stomp of the feet and the, the screen quickly changes. Maybe you would think of those who are poor timekeepers. They, they arrive late and they leave early. And they cheat their boss off a certain time when they should be working. And maybe even some of these things are hidden home. And perhaps there are things that you have been guilty of. But I'm sure very few of you, when thinking about bad workplace etiquette, would think about sleeping on the job. I sure hope that none of you have actually fallen asleep in the workplace. It would be a very bad thing if you were sat at your desk or at your workstation and your boss walks along and he sees you there falling asleep. Asleep when you should be working. Asleep when you should be active. Asleep when you should be fulfilling your duty. And you know, there are those and they would have reason for feeling sleepy. We think of those who maybe have long hours. They perhaps work in nighttime shifts and it gets to their next shift and they're feeling tired. And that's understandable. But there are those and because they are simply lazy... Because they try and do too much, perhaps in the nighttime hours, when it comes to those hours when they should be working, when they should be filled with energy, instead they are slumbering and sleeping. This is not a new phenomenon to us. This is not something that has come in in these recent days we find ourselves in. For back a hundred years or so ago, when Theodore Roosevelt was president of the United States of America, he had a friend in the New York Times. And he said to his friend, let's go out at night time and let's have a look and observe the practices of the New York Police Department. He thought this is the, the greatest police department in all the world. This is going to be interesting, observing all that they do. But when he and his friend got out there at night time, all he found was policemen sleeping on the job. Every street corner they walked along, they saw a policeman sat down on the ground sleeping. The next morning, Theodore Roosevelt went to the police commissioner's office. He went into his, his room, sat down behind the desk. And all of those police officers were brought into that room. Little were they expecting the greatest authority in all the country to give them a strong rebuke for their slumbering. It goes without saying that after that event, none of them were found sleeping on the job because they had received a great rebuke from one in authority that told them they should not be sleeping on the job. And here in this portion we have before us, we have a rebuke given by a great authority about slumbering and sleeping. For from verses 6 down to 11, Solomon, this man of wisdom, as inspired by the Holy Ghost, he writes about those men and women who are known as sluggards. Sluggards simply being one who is filled with slothfulness, 
One who is slumbering. One who is sleepy. One who is not active and is not working. And he starts off by giving the example of the ant in verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. And he gives this example, and then from verses 9 through to 11, he gives a very strong challenge and rebuke to those who would be slumbering and sleeping. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. And they want as an armed man. Oh yes, while, while there are lessons to be learnt in terms of our secular work and employment and our activities about how we shouldn't be slumbering. And yes, that is all very well and good to apply this passage in that way. Yet there are spiritual lessons to be learnt from this account of the sluggard. There are lessons for the child of God here in this passage before us about how we are not to be slumbering, we're not to be filled with slothfulness, we're not to be lazy, but rather we are to be active. We are to be always working. We are to be filled with energy and to be vibrant and to be going on with the Lord. I wonder, are you going on with the Lord this morning? Are you going forward? Or perhaps... When you read this passage and you think about your, your walk with God and you think about how you're, you're loving for the Lord, maybe you're slumbering. Maybe you're not going on. Maybe you're stationary. Maybe even worse, maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you've gone away from the Lord. Oh, here's a, a, a very strong challenge for us this morning. Here is a warning for us about the dangers of spiritual slumber. And so I, I just want to consider that very simply this morning. A warning against spiritual slumber. And first of all, I want you to notice with me the rebuke that the sluggard should receive. The rebuke the sluggard should receive. For look there at verse 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? Why are you sleeping, is what he is saying. Why are you in this state? Why are you sleeping and not awake? Why are you not active? Why are you not working? Oh, why are you slumbering? Oh, what are you doing in this condition? Why do you still persist in your sleep? Well, this is not speaking to one who is sleeping during the nighttime hours. This is not a, a rebuke against those who would use that time to rest from their day's activity. This is speaking of one who is sleeping during the daylight hours. One who is sleeping and wasting the time of work and opportunity. Oh yes, there is a time to sleep. There is a time to rest and recuperate your energy and your strength and to recover from a hard day's work. But resting and sleeping should not be our perpetual state. It should not be something which we continue in forever. Oh, if I was to give by way of an example, I'm sure many of you in here who are parents or grandparents, you, you've been awake and you know that your child is still sleeping in their bedroom and it's gone past nine o'clock 
Maybe it's gone past 10 o'clock. I don't know how long they sleep in. Maybe it goes later than that even. And you wonder, why are they still sleeping? And so you shout up to their room, wake up. Because you know they shouldn't be sleeping. You know that they're wasting that time when they should be working. They're wasting the time of opportunity. They're wasting the, the best hours of the day. And so you rebuke them for sleeping. Sometimes it works better than others, doesn't it? Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But they need to be rebuked for that state that they are in. Why? Because when you're sleeping, you're oblivious to your condition. You don't know what's going on around you. You don't know what time of day it is. You don't know what's happening around about you. And so you need someone to come and to rebuke you for your sleep and to make you realize, I need to get up. And so Solomon, here in this passage, he's given us a rebuke and a warning saying we should not be sleeping. This is the time of opportunity. This is the time of action. And this is why we must not be asleep. Now I said this is a warning against spiritual sleep, against spiritual slumber. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're sleeping, you're inactive. When you're sleeping, you're not working. And it's possible to be spiritually sleeping. Yes, you you may well have been saved by God's grace. You have experienced his great salvation in your life. You have had your sins washed away. You've been cleansed from all unrighteousness. But yet it is still possible to be sleeping spiritually, to not be active To not be going on with the Lord in your life. It's possible to be complacent. To let those things you once held dear to slip by the wayside. It's easy as a Christian to think, well, I'm saved now. That's the important thing. I don't need to bother doing anything else. I'll just go on my life and take things easily. Oh, here's a rebuke for you this morning. Why are you still sleeping? Why do you not realize that you must be active? Think about a couple of examples in Scripture. Men who were sleeping when they should have been working. Think about Jonah there as he, he ran away from the will of God. He was in the ship in the midst of the storm. And he was fast asleep in the boat. Midst of the storm. Time of great difficulty time of great challenge, a time when he should have been working. Instead, he was sleeping and not working. There the captain of the boat came on to him and said, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will save us. Well, there that captain knew he shouldn't have been sleeping at that time. What meanest thou, O sleeper? What do you mean by by sleeping at this time of great need? Oh, even a, a heathen, a pagan could understand. Jonah, you should not be sleeping right now. You should be praying unto your God. Think about the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. There the Lord was in great agony of sorrow, praying in the garden, and he returns and finds his disciples sleeping. 
That time when they should have been most active. That time when they should have been focused. They should have been praying. They should have been thinking about what was approaching in the coming hours. Yet they were sleeping. This is a time when we must be awake. We must realize that there there are duties for us to fulfill as believers. We cannot set aside these things that are needful. We cannot fall asleep, but we must be watchful. What did the Lord say to those disciples? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Oh, you see what happens when you fall asleep? When you're not careful, when you're not watchful, that's when temptation comes your way. Temptation could come... You might be enticed by your own temptation. Then you've fallen into sin. It's a dangerous spiral. Sleeping brings many dangers upon it. Uh, And could it be perhaps this morning that you are spiritually sleeping? Those things which you once held dear, reading the word of God, having a time of prayer with the Lord, having time of family devotion, thinking upon the word, those things have slowly ebbed away from your life. You're no longer active. You're no longer doing those things. Instead, you're slumbering. You become complacent. Oh, so often we can say, I've wasted my time. Should we not say, I've wasted the Lord's time? Time is what the Lord has given to us to serve Him, to worship Him, To obey him. By sleeping you're wasting time. But notice also not just the rebuke that the sluggard must receive. But notice also the rousing that the sluggard will require. For verse 9 goes on to say. How long wilt thou sleep O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Oh here we see there's a great change that is required. Yes, the the, the sluggard has been made aware of their state. They've been rebuked for sleeping. They've been told, this isn't something that you should be doing. But it hasn't yet affected a change in their behavior. If we were to go back to that example of shouting up to your child to get out of bed. Oh, they, they might have heard you shouting to them. They might understand that, yes, I am sleeping, I am in my bed, I shouldn't be here. But that hasn't got them out of their bed. They're still lying there until you come, perhaps, and swish the curtains open and pull the duvet off them and tell them, right now you must arise out of your bed. There's a a rousing or a reviving or an awakening that's required to get that person out of their bed. We know what it's like. It's so comfortable, it's so warm and cozy in that place. You know you need to get out of bed, but just a bit longer would be nice. Until someone rouses you from your sleep. And so our text here shows that there's a reasoning. He asks the question, when will you arise out of your sleep? It says arise, speaks of action. Activity. It's showing that this rebuke is given so that they can go on and work. So that they can go on and use the remainder of the day. 
And so there's this reasoning or persuading what this Lord. When will you actually rise from your bed? What's it going to take to get you to rise from your bed? And so it is with spiritual sleep and slumbering as well. What's it going to take to get you out of your sleep, out of this state and condition which you're in, and to actually get up out of your state and to work for the Lord? Or the sluggard had to get out of his bed in order to work. You can't work from your bed. You have to be away from your bed. You have to be awake. You have to be in the place of work and activity. And you must be alert enough to be able to do that. And so it is for the the child of God. We must realize that we cannot be beneficial to the Lord if we are still sleeping and still in that state of mind. But we must have that desire to go on with the Lord, that desire to serve him, that desire to obey his word, that desire to obey and to work for him. Think about the words that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 6. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now in that passage, yes, the the context, he he is speaking of the coming again of the Lord. And he says that we do not know when the Lord cometh, but he cometh as a thief in the night. Therefore let us not sleep. But there we see that the, the child of God is not to be sleepy or to be slumbering as others are. There the Apostle Paul is saying that others, those who are ungodly, they are sleeping. Yes, you could say they're sleeping spiritually in their sins. They haven't been awakened from their sins. Maybe you're still in that category this morning. Maybe you're sleepwalking your way through life. You haven't been rebuked for your sinful condition. You haven't realized that you are asleep to the fact that you are a sinner. Uh, And you must be awakened from your state this morning. You must be awakened to realize that there is a coming day of judgment. That there is a day when the Lord shall return to judge all the world. But if we are to apply this simply to the believer this morning, it shows that we must be watchful people. He says we are to be sober. We're to be in our right minds. We're not to be drunken, we're not to be slumbering, we're not to be sleepy, but rather we are to be alert and active. And can I not reason with you this morning? Perhaps you have let the things of God fall away from your life. When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? You know, so many uh, often cry for revival in our land. uh, And they desire that God would move amongst us again and do a mighty work. And we all would pray for that. But yet, would you not pray, Lord, begin it now in me? Lord, if there's any complacency in my life, if there's any uh, slumbering or, or, or sluggishness in my life, Lord, take that away from me. Help me to, to work for thee. Make me a channel of blessing. 
Well, we can't be a channel of blessing if we're slumbering, if we're inactive. The Lord won't use us if we are sleeping as the sluggard. But the Lord expects his people to be active. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 and 16 speak about the attitude that we must have. Ephesians 5 verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Oh, here we see the Apostle Paul. He has the same theme in view as Solomon does in Proverbs chapter 6. Oh, that you were wise, that you used the time that was given to you. See then that you walk circumspectly. See then that you walk rightly. See then that you walk wisely, not as those who are foolish and waste time, but redeeming the time. That phrase, redeeming the time, it literally means to to recover from waste. To take something that was otherwise wasted and to use it for a beneficial purpose. That's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 5. Are you recovering that which would be wasted? Well, it's so easy for us to waste time. It's so easy for us to put our attention and our minds upon other things instead of upon the things of God. Oh yes, they might not be in and of themselves sinful or wrong, but are they taken away from the time you should be spending with the Lord? Are they causing you to slumber in your walk with the Lord? Because you aren't spending the time that you should in his word, the time you should around the throne of grace and prayer. Paul says, because the days are evil. That has the idea that there are many allurements. There are many things that can take away our time. That is why we are to redeem the time. We're to be careful about time. We're not to be slumbering. We're not to be foolish or slothful. But we are to be very careful and to use the time given to us. This is why Solomon says this rebuke to the sluggard in Proverbs chapter 6. It's important to use the time because we only have a finite amount of it. Our lives are as vapor that appear for a little time then vanish away. We can't afford to waste time that is given to us. We don't know what a day will bring forth. When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Seeing the rebuke the sluggard shall receive, the rousing the sluggard will require, but notice thirdly, the response the sluggard will render. Verse 10 shows us how the the sluggard responds to this rebuke that's been given to him. Yet a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Oh, he, sees, he says there, just give me a bit more sleep. A bit more time. I just want a bit more time in my bed. It's not going to be that bad if I do this. Oh, it's so nice and warm in here. Can't I have ten more minutes? Can't I have half an hour longer? It's so comfortable. I just, I'm so used to this position. I want to continue. Oh, he just wants to continue in a a state of ease, a state of comfort. 
A state where he doesn't have to expend his energy. A state where he doesn't have to work. But a, a, a place where he can just rest and a place of enjoyment. What does he want? He wants a bit more. That's what the flesh always wants. The flesh always wants more and more. The eye is never satisfied with what it sees, nor the ear with what it hears. And so likewise the sluggard, he always wants more of what he has instead of doing what he knows he ought to do. Turn with me just a few chapters over to Proverbs chapter 20. We see further information about the sluggard. Proverbs chapter 20 and the verse 4. Here we see the sluggard will not plough by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. There we see again the sluggard, he has a reason. This is why I can't work. This is why I can't be active. It's cold outside. I'll go outside and it'll be cold and I'd have to do manual labor in this harsh environment. It's far too difficult. I could never do this. Well, there's the excuses. It's too hard. It's too difficult. You're asking too much of me. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Just excuse after excuse. Turn over maybe a one page or so to Proverbs 22, verse 13. We see again Proverbs 22 and verse 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. Here again, the sluggard or the slothful man, he gives excuse after excuse as to why he cannot work. Oh, perchance there's a lion outside. Oh, I know this is only a a very insignificant possibility that this might happen. But just in case there's a lion outside, I can't go outside to work. I couldn't do this. And you see here how the sluggard, he always makes excuses as to why he can't work. Are we not so often guilty of that crime ourselves? Are we not so very good at making excuses as to why we can't serve God as we should? Well, I'm not called to be a minister. Why should I have to tell others of the gospel? Oh, I don't need to do that. That's not my job anymore. I'm saved. Oh, I can't go to that meeting. That church is too warm. I can't go to that meeting. That preacher's too long-winded. I can't go to the prayer meeting for I have a social engagement. I can't have my quiet time tonight because there's that football match on. I can't do this because I need to go there. But we're so good at making excuses. We're so good at making excuses as to why we won't do what God expects of us. That's the response of the sluggard. That's the response of one who is slumbering and sleeping. One who is losing out with God because of the state that they're in. Do you not see the absurdity and the folly of such an attitude? It's all focused upon self and I. I can't do this. I can't do that. I won't do this. Oh, how little these things cost us. How little does it cost us to take the word of God in our hands and to read it? 
How little does it cost us to have a time of prayer every day? How little does it cost us to give one hour to come out to a church service? And yet so often we find excuses why we can't. Will you not consider how much the Lord paid to enable us to do these things? The Lord gave himself for you and for me. The Lord died upon the cross. The Lord fulfilled the law in its entirety. And yet so often we can still come out with these reasons. I can't do this. Just focusing upon ourselves. But notice that there is a very solemn matter that comes after this response in verse 11. For fourthly we see in verse 11 the ramifications the sluggard must realize. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Here are the consequences of a slumbering state. Poverty and want. Poverty, a lack of money. Want, a lack of those things that are needful to survive. The two flow from each other. Because you are poor, therefore you have want. And so it can be with the Christian, whenever you slumber, whenever you sleep, you lose out with God, you become poor in the spirit, and you become wanting. Or those who don't work can't expect to be paid. If you're sat in your house, you can't expect your boss to pay you for doing nothing. I know we had furlough a few years back, that was the exception to the rule, but you won't get paid for doing nothing. And so it is with the slothful. They, they don't do anything and therefore they get nothing for it. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth, but hath nothing. He wants things, but because he doesn't actually act on that desire, he doesn't get anything from it. And maybe this is like you this morning. You desire to be a better prayer warrior, but you don't pray. You desire to know the word of God better, but you don't read it. You desire to be able to resist temptation, but yet you don't spend time with the Lord. And so the word of God tells us, the soul of the slugger desireth, but hath nothing. You need to act on those desires. You need to read the word of God. You need to spend time in prayer with them. But briefly, just consider as, as we, time is marching on, just consider this ruin that awaits this sluggard, the ramifications you must realize for this ruin that comes upon the sluggard unexpectedly. It comes as a traveler, as Solomon says here in this verse. Or rather, he has the idea you're on your journey, you're traveling, and then all of a sudden you arrive at your destination. Think maybe about a time when you've been on the train, you've been going on the journey, you think, oh, it's a half an hour journey. It'll Take a while, and then before you know it, you're at your station. The station name is rung out, and you jump off your seat to get out. It's come unexpectedly. Comes irresistibly. Comes as an armed man. An armed man against one who is unarmed. One who comes with force and takes that by force. You can't resist an armed man if you don't have any weaponry yourself. And so this ruin comes upon the sluggard irresistibly because they've been slumbering and sleeping. They have no ability in themselves to attack and defend themselves. But not only does it come unexpectedly and irresistibly, it comes destructively. For it will bring a ruinous end. 
For as one who is armed, one who is ready to take something by force, one who is willing to destroy, slumbering, spiritually speaking, will not bring anything good out of it. It will bring destruction. But in closing, there is a remedy for this. For there is a recommendation the sluggard should remember. For he said how Solomon starts this portion in verse 6 by saying that there is an example that we can follow. The example of the ant. Go to the ant, thy sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Here is an ant, an insignificant creature. It works in the summertime, that time when it's most difficult to work, when the sun is beaten down in all of its strength. The slugger doesn't think this is too, or rather the ant doesn't think this is too hard. This is too difficult. No, the ant realizes it needs to work now while the iron is hot. It needs to work and prepare for the future. It lays up store for a future time. And so that must be the attitude of the child of God. Indeed, that must be the attitude of all men. We must not think about simply the present, but think about the future. We must work while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Now is the day of opportunity. Now is the day when we must work. Oh yes, it might be difficult Like the ant realized it was a difficult time to work in summertime. Yet we must work now. Or else we will face the ruin that the sluggard was told he would face. Let us remember this example of the ant. How it was industrious. How it didn't slumber. It didn't sleep when it should have been working. But it was active. Oh, will you not be active for God? Will you not go on with him? You know, so often I think about the children of Israel in the wilderness. There they were traveling for 40 days. They were walking and walking, but they weren't going anywhere. I wonder, does that speak to you? You're maybe not backslidden, but you're not going forward with God. Oh, will you not... Wake up from your slumbering state today and work for God. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word this morning. We thank Thee for the instruction that we gain from it. We thank Thee for this example given to us of the sluggard, one who is still sleeping and not working in this time of opportunity and time of work. We pray that Thou help us to be ever active for Thee. Help us to use those means of grace which Thou hast given to us. Help us to set aside time to, to spend time in Thy Word and around Thy feet. May we even be like Mary and not Martha who was cumbered about with much serving. But may we even be like Mary who the Lord said had chosen the better part. Help us to go on with thee. Make our lives a channel of blessing. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. Make me a channel of blessing today. O Lord, may that be the desire of each and every child of God in this room today.
Lord, we pray now that thou wouldst part us with thy fear and with thy blessing. Continue to present thyself with us, we ask in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen.